Last week we talked about the first step, and that was to surrender. Not give up, but give over. To give over control of our money, yikes, to God. Because God has a great plan, not to rob us and leave us in a box, but to actually help us prosper, um, help us be the generous people we hope we'd be, help us get out from under debt. And we took the first two steps last week. We talked about making a plan, and we talked about, well, first, we talked about looking at where we are, the flocks and the herds, and then we talked about making a plan. And as I go into the scripture today, I wanted us to talk about the next piece, which is after we've looked at the status of the flocks and the herds, and we started making a plan, we're going to encounter a problem, and that is debt. So this is the same problem that this woman faced. Second Kings chapter 4 is where you'll find it. And the reason I ask you to get out your Bibles is because then you can check me and decide if I'm right or wrong about how I'm interpreting this passage. Also, um, I share with the first service, if the sermon gets a little boring, you have the Word of God to read, right? You're like, okay, back to the Word of God, because it's getting a little dull. Um, you can also find out all kinds of things about what's going on around the text, and it's really neat. So if you have your Bibles, great. If not, you might want to bring them or steal one from the back. We allow that. Um, so here's Second Kings chapter 4. Keep it open, because I will be asking you questions on this if you have it. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that he, was rever- that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, Go around. And ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here we are, talking about debt, yay, in church. But actually, what I think, that this, I think this is really important because did I tell you last week that the number two thing that Jesus talked about, number one is the kingdom of God. So we should always be talking about the kingdom of God. Number two is money possessions, how we deal with it. Can you believe that? Over 2,300 verses on money. And how much does the church talk about money? Like once a year when we want some, right? Okay, so I thought we'd go ahead and talk about the whole spectrum of money, about who God wants us to be with our money. And one of the things that we have to face, especially as Americans, is the reality of debt. As I did some research, I always want current figures um, so I, I did a lot of research, and did you realize that over, well, just about half of us, 47% of us, spend more than we make? On average, as Americans, this is the average, so there are people who spend less and people who spend more, but on average, for every dollar we bring in, we spend a dollar twenty-two. Is that a good plan? Probably not a good plan. Because of this, we are, on average, $8,000 in debt, consumer debt. That doesn't mean your mortgage, that doesn't mean your car payment, that doesn't mean your student loans, that doesn't mean your medical bills. That means just consumer debt, $8,000. And Will Aconto here knew the answer to this question, but do you know how long that will take to pay off? If not, Will does. 
He knew it at the first service. Well, 25 years. Who here wants to pay off that $8,000 for 25 years? Not me. Do you know how much um, it will have cost you by the time you pay it off? $24,000. So whatever you bought, you paid for it three times. Yikes. That is not God's plan for us. It's making us miserable too. When asked if finances are making life unhappy, 71% of us say yes. That is such a great amount and such a great need that as your pastor, I cannot not address this because it means that if seven out of 10 of us were asked if finances were making our lives unhappy, we would say, yes, they are. Do you know what the number one cause people cite is when they get divorced? Money. We have to talk about this. I'm sorry. I know it's not fun. It's not fun for me either. I'm excited about Christmas because I won't be talking about money anymore, but we need to talk about it. Now, God's plan for our money is um, pretty common sense. I like Dave Ramsey, and he says, I give you the same advice your grandmother would, but I keep my teeth in. And that's God's advice is kind of like God and your grandma. They're giving you common sense advice. It's so common sense that you may roll your eyes when I'm done. Feel free. That's okay, okay? But it's very common sense, um, so much so that I think Saturday Night Live stole a page from God's book when they were designing this skit. So y'all look at this. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no, you make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously, If You Don't Have the Money, Don't Buy It, along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Okay, at least y'all are laughing a little bit, right? Um, we can plan how to not get into debt, right? 
it's pretty easy. We don't buy stuff we can't afford. We make the plan. That's what we were talking about last week. But over half of us already are in trouble. So once we're in trouble, how do we get out of it? And then we can work on staying out of the trouble. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. And that's why I want to go back to this passage in 2 Kings, because here we have a family in trouble. Now, look at the first part. The wife of who? What had the husband, he, he is deceased, what had he done for a living? He was a prophet. Hmm. He was a prophet, like a pastor. And he had a lot of debt, right? And we hear that... Um, he, my servant is dead, and you know he revered the Lord. Debt is not like a spiritual condemnation, y'all. It's just poor management of your resources. All of us can mess up. Pastors are not immune. Here is the wife of a prophet, the wife of one of the holy people, a person who revered the Lord, and he got into financial trouble. So please don't think that this is something, you know, this is some like spiritual, oh, this is just something that God can help us do better all of us, not just lay people. Clergy need it too. So what does she do? She is in big trouble. Um, this is atrocious. As soon as her husband is dead, a creditor bangs on the door and says, pay up. Now, y'all, women couldn't work in this time. They had no way to support themselves. She had no resources. And so the creditor says, I'll take your sons as slaves. Now, if you think that this is not going on anymore, it is. I've, had a, I've talked to a mother who said creditors would call, and if her son would pick up the phone, they would say, your mother is a bad person. She won't pay what she owes, and we are sending the police to come take all your toys unless she pays. They are, it's just sickening. We cannot let this happen to the people of God. I can't let this happen. I want people to get out from this hole to not, you know what it's like if you're here. You worry about it. You don't know where the money's going to come from. You're worried about when the phone rings or what bills you're going to pay and who you're going to not. It's terrible. We need help. And this woman needed help. And where did she go? To the check into cash lender, right? <laughs> to go pawn something. No, she went to the man of God. She went to Elijah. She went to a wise person, and she told him what the situation was, which I'm sure took a lot of courage to say, you know, this is the real situation that we're in. Now, here's where some of y'all are saying, you know, we're pretty good financially. Good job, you guys, really. Maybe you're the wise people. If you're not in a financial hole, maybe you're the wise person that some of the others of us can go to to find help. Um, if you're in that situation, look around. Now, first of all, this woman was going to God because in that day, prophets were the ones who interpreted the will of God to people. So she was seeking out God and at the same time a wise person. The kings were corrupt. There were no judges. She was seeking out somebody who could really give her help. Seek somebody out who could give you help. You know, it takes a little bit, it takes a lot, I guess, of humility to say, I'm in trouble. Looks like you've got it together. Could you help? Come to Financial Peace University. It's, we're starting it in January. It is amazing. I've done it at both of my churches I've been at. It has revolutionized people's lives. It gets you on the same page. And no matter if you have a huge problem like this woman or you'd just like to know a little bit more, it's great. There's a wise person leading that class. And Dave Ramsey's pretty wise about money too. He's like been in debt and he's been back out. And he knows how to, how to do that. So she seeks out a wise person. 
Who asks her what? Now, first of all, when we get into trouble, I don't know about y'all, but the, uh, I do, um, I start praying because I'm in trouble, right? Financial trouble, I usually start praying, and I start racking my brain. Is there an uncle I don't know about and have never met who is very wealthy and on his deathbed, and boom, problem solved, right? Or should I start playing the lottery, right? Maybe. God, I, you, know, you know I need this, so give me the right numbers. This woman comes to Elijah kind of this way, and she says, help Elijah, fix it. God, fix it. And what does Elijah ask her? What do you have? What do you, what do you have? Um, God probably, y'all, is not going to kill our unknown wrench uncle to get us out of financial problems. That would be tacky, for one. Um, but God will use our own resources, even though they're small. Do you think she had enough oil at this point? Not nearly enough. But God knew, and Elisha knew through God, that God could use what we have to get us out of the problem. So she at first says, I don't have anything. I mean, if they're taking your kids, you have given up everything else before that's going to happen. But then she goes, oh, well, I have a little bit of oil. And Elisha's like, that's it. It's the oil. So start there. If you're in this problem, then hear God saying to you, what do you have? And start looking at your resources. Um, it could be that you're about to have the mightiest garage sale ever. It could be that you could start a little business on Craigslist selling things. Um, it could be that it's time to pick up an extra job working retail. at one. Of, I've seen places in the Galleria hiring. I know that would be a little humiliating, but hey, if it gets you out of debt, so what, right? That's awesome. Maybe you're going to work some overtime. I tell you there have been times in my life with Kevin that Kevin has been working overtime I mean, just every night he could get it just to get us out from under a problem when we were doing this. What do you have? What do you have? And then Elisha says this. He says, okay, you've got the oil. As once you know what you have, God's going to work through that. It's not like you have to do it all on your own. God's going to add into that. And who else adds into this? Go gather what? Jars. Jars to hold all the resources, right? She doesn't have enough jars to pour the oil into because God's going to multiply it. So she has to go into the community and gather up jars and ask the community, can you help me? Can you lend me a jar? Can you give me a jar? Because they're not getting the jar back, right? It could be that y'all who are sitting there going, I really have this under control, are going to offer a jar to someone else. Wouldn't that be cool? To be the vessel into which someone could pour hope to offer not the solution, but a piece of it. Maybe that's just a cool idea. So they gather the jars. Now, who all does this? Is it just the mom? The kids do it too. Um, this is key, I think, to have the whole family. If we're going to get out of debt, if we're going to start anew with our finances, then it's going to be a whole family thing. Um, <laughs> I remember doing this with Anna and Leah. We'd, every now and then we'd go out to eat at like, Burger King or whatever when we were doing this, and we, that would be the treat, and they wouldn't get to get their lemonade. Have y'all ever been kids who don't get to get a drink when you're going out to eat? Um, I have as a child. I was that child who knew to order water, and we would just kind of say, kids, you know, it's because of that huge um, problem with the house, and so we're not going to order the drinks right now because we need the money to go to paying for the foundation that's going wrong with the house. 
They don't need to know that however much it costs. You don't have to be like, well, mommy and daddy are $25,000 in debt. And if we don't do something fast, they're going to take our home. I mean, that wasn't our situation. But whatever your situation is, you don't need to pour out the gory details to your children. That would be frightening. But you can say, we're all going to get on the same page. We're going to do this together. We're going to find the solution together, be part of the team. We're going to make sacrifices together. We're going to work together. Y'all, it will never, I have seen couple after couple come in, and one of them is like really gung-ho, and then the other one is like, time to shop, you know? So one of them's pouring the oil, and the other one's out like selling it, you know, to go get stuff at the outlet mall, or to go get the newest tools at Home Depot, or whatever. It won't work. They go together, they do it together, get on the same page, don't frighten your kids, but you know, if you're in that situation, tell them, this is why we're doing this. Maybe, you know, you say to your family this year, you know, we really need to address this problem with our debt. Christmas is going to be simpler. I hope you all understand that this is why we're doing it. Bring people in. Then what, is, what does Elisha say? Once you've gathered, once you've got the oil and the kids have helped gather up the vessels, what are you supposed to do? Go into the house and what? Close the door. Focus. Focus. Um, this probably took them 24 hours, Right? I mean, it was, it was an emergency, and so God worked really fast. It might take us 24 months, but in that time, we need to focus. We need to shut out distractions. We need to say, okay, God, help me get this cleaned up. Did you know that in Proverbs 22.7, it says the borrower is slave to the lender? God came to set us free, right? God set the people of Israel free. They were slaves he liberated them. And then in Proverbs we hear, watch out. Because when you're in debt, you become a slave. God doesn't want us enslaved. Christ came to set us free. He doesn't want us to be slaves. We have to get out from under this, right? We can't be people, we can't be money slave. Who here wants to be a slave to money? And yet it's just happened to so many of us, over half of us. Let's get liberated. Focus, because God wants you to be free people, and you can do it. So they go in and they close the door, and they fill up all night long. I can just imagine another bottle, another bottle. They're working, they're working, they're working. And finally, um, mom says, okay, give me another bottle. And the son says, we're out. And she looks at the oil, and it stopped flowing. Now, see, that's the way God works. That as much as they gathered up, God filled. As they began to work, God worked alongside of them, he used his great power to make their work even more powerful. And then what does the widow do? Who does she check back with? I mean, the solution seems obvious, right? Here's all these things of oil. I have a big debt. Seems pretty obvious. But I've noticed a lot of times when we're in big trouble, we are like, help God. And then when we get out of trouble, we're like, okay, let's go. Because I know what I'm doing now, right? This widow, I love what she does because she goes right back to Elisha and tells him, and he tells her, okay, you're right, go sell it, and it will be enough to pay the debt and for you to live on the rest of your life. You manage it right, you know? So check back with God. We need to, once we get out of debt, we can't just be like, party. I think you should party. If you're in debt and you get out of debt, I think you should have a little cash party, okay? Save for it, have a party, 
a big one. Invite me, I'll come party with you because it's a great thing. Um, but then we need to make that plan. Then we can plan, okay, so now what so that that never happens again? Now what do I do so that I can help the next person? I wanted to tell you about the debt snowball. I used to, Dave Ramsey teaches about a debt snowball. And I, first time I heard about that, it sounded like a big ball of debt that was about to roll down on you. But it's actually a way that you can get your money working to snowball and flatten out debt. What he says is you put the lowest debt you have, the smallest one, just based on dollar amount, not payments, at the top of the list, and the largest one at the bottom. And then you, you figure out how you're going to pay off that first one. Maybe you have a garage sale or you go to Craigslist or you pick up an extra job. He's a big fan of delivering pizzas, so, you know, for whatever that's worth. You pay off this first debt, say it's like $250, okay, $250. You pay that off and then you take the payments that you were making there and you flip them onto the next one, the next biggest debt. And then you work really hard to pay that one off, but you've got some extra cash on it now. And it pays off faster. And then you take that payment and you flip it onto the third debt. So you're getting a bigger and bigger payment. You're, soon you've got the first and the second and the third payment all going into the fourth payment with what you've been making. And it pays off the debt faster and faster. The snowball gets bigger and boom, it crushes the debt. It's a great thing to learn. If you want to learn more, remember there's Financial Peace University. But I have all of y'all now looking at me like this. You all look like you're sick at your stomachs, and I'm sorry, um, because I hope that you will hear hope in this. This is, God wants liberated people. He wants people who are free and ready to follow him, and he knows. That's why Jesus talked about it so much, that money can ruin our lives if we don't know how to handle it right. He wants to liberate us. There is a good plan for how to do it. It's not easy. The uncle's probably not going to die that you don't know and leave you the money. But you do have some oil somewhere. And when you do that oil and God adds his mighty power, you've got your freedom. You can earn it. So don't have the mad face or the sad face. Be encouraged, okay, because you can do it. Let's pray. God, you know this is one of the hardest things that there is to deal with and to admit to. And so I pray for each of the people here today who are hurting and who feel just like slaves because of money. And I pray that you'd help them get free, Lord. That you would be the great liberator. That you would remind them of the, what resources they have and help them, work with them, um, let those of, those of us who know how to do it come alongside um, so that they, they may be free. And we'll all celebrate that day, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.